Hey, and thanks for tuning in to the Father's House podcast. The Father's House exists to see people discover life in Jesus. We hope that today's message brings you fresh life and renewed hope as you listen. Enjoy. Um, hey, in just a moment, I'm gonna jump into the Word and I'm gonna share uh, just a brief word of encouragement with all of us here today. Uh, before we do that, um, we're gonna take a moment at the beginning like we do every single week and uh, just encourage you along the lines of our giving. Um, I've had so many people reach out to me in the last couple of days just asking real poignantly, how can we help the church in this season? What does this look like? This is a difficult, not just for a church per se, but many in the church. Is there anything we can do to partner with the church to help people in our community right now? And uh, I'm so grateful that people are thinking like that right now and not just hunkering down and going like, ah, how do I hold on to what I've got, but how can I help other people? And uh, as, as a church, we really do feel like there's three things that God has specifically asked us to do that you can partner with us uh, in accomplishing over the next couple of weeks as people walk through this next chapter. Um, first and foremost, we believe it is the responsibility of the church to take care of those within the family. Uh, it actually says that in scripture that as best as we can to take care of those that are within the body of believers. And there's so many people in our church who work in the service industry who drive Uber, um, who are hourly employees and can't work right now because their places of business have been shut down. And uh, we want to make a way to provide for all of their needs. Uh, secondly, uh, there are uh, people in our community that we serve every single week through the food bank. We serve groceries. Um, I think we've got 50 or so families right now that we serve on a regular basis. But um, if you haven't heard already, this is, is on the, the news today. Um, the food bank is asking for new partners and uh, new sites to begin to serve groceries because many of the existing sites have shut down um, for fear that people might contract the coronavirus. And so uh, they've reached out to say, are there people that can deliver groceries? Are there new sites that can open? And uh, as there are a limited number of spaces in the sunset that are already doing that, we want to be pioneers in that. We want to be those that take responsibility for our district. And so uh, we're going to be looking at uh, grocery delivery over the next couple of weeks. Um, how can we open up another site, extend the, exa- the hours at our existing site? Uh, if we need to rent trucks to deliver groceries, we'll do whatever we got to do to help people right now. Now, especially the down and out, the disenfranchised, the elderly in our community, we have to take care of the least of these right now. So that's the second way uh, that we're, we're making resources go out from our house. Uh, and then the third way, which I'm really excited about as well, um, in this season, there are so many churches that are either new or maybe they've been established for a while, but just the idea of taking three weeks off is going to be financially crippling to them. I've had so many pastors reach out and say, hey, how are you guys going to weather you know, the financial storm if people don't give? And you know, fortunately, uh, we've been able to run really lean and we've been able to save some money and uh, we also are living well below our means on a monthly basis not to mention that we don't have to pay rent for the next couple of weeks at our building so we've got a little bit of room in our budget right now Uh, so uh, we're allocating a large percentage of our budget to give away to uh, other churches as well in this season God forbid something like this shut churches down in our community we we need to be responsible and take care of those so um, those are the three areas we really feel like God has called us to take responsibility for Um, we've opened up on our website, a benevolence tab. And if you'd like to give above and beyond the tithe that you normally give, uh, you can click on the benevolence tab and you can sow into all three of those initiatives. Um, Like I said already, we we also got a large percentage of our budget that is allocated to that this month. It's really not about paying bills at this point. It's just about helping as many people as we possibly can. So thank you for being generous. Although you can't give in boxes because there's no building to do that in. uh, You can give on the app or you can give on our website at uh, tfh.church. But thank you for being generous in a season where a lot of people desperately need our generosity. So with that, let's get into, uh, let's get into a bit of a message. Um, I want to share for a couple of moments about how I feel we as a church and honestly how we as Christians should be responding to the current season we find ourselves in right now. Um, I've been 
I've been facing this question, thinking about this question the last couple of days, like how is the church responding right now? We really only get one chance to do this kind of stuff right. Like we really have to respond correctly in this season. Uh, I know that when we fast forward the movie six months from now or a year from now or two years from now, we're all gonna look back at this moment in history and, and, and we're gonna hopefully be able to say the church responded in faith and not fear. The church responded with generosity, not you know, clinging to what we've got. The church responded appropriately. And, and, and I really believe that that's what God's called us to do, not to hunker down, not to freak out, not to panic, but to truly speak in faith and to, to live by faith in this season. Because ultimately when all this passes, which it will, by the way, Way, we are going to be left with one thing, and that is the way we responded to all of this. And I want it to be said of our church. I want it to be said of me. I want it to be said of, of the body of believers in San Francisco that we responded correctly in this season, that, that we really did do what God had called us to do. Uh, there's a scripture in uh, Proverbs chapter 24, verse 10. It says, if you faint in the times of adversity, how small is your faith? Isn't that a, 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 a powerful statement? If you faint in times of adversity, how small is your faith? Well, welcome to times of adversity. We have arrived. Here we are. And I, and I want to be able to say my faith is big. I, I don't want to be able to say like, oh, you know, I, I didn't believe. I, I, I locked my doors and, you know, I, I, I bought all the toilet paper and all the stuff that people are doing right now. Like, I want to be able to say no, we responded in faith. Which, by the way, why are people buying all of the toilet paper right now? It makes no logical sense at all. Like, unless you're going to, like, cheer yourself up by just going to TP a bunch of your neighbor's houses right now, there is no reason to stockpile on toilet paper. And if you're going to go TP all your neighbor's houses, let us know, because we'll come along. It'll be great. It'll be a way to bring joy to our lives right now. But, but seriously, in times like this, the church is supposed to be unshakable. We're supposed to be immovable. We're supposed to be solid as a rock in the midst of all of this stuff. And it's in these moments that the church gets to shine, where we prove that our lives are not built on an economic system or a political party or the stability or instability of the stock market or whatever. Our lives are built on something much more stable, much more consistent. In fact, the only thing that is consistent, and that is the rock that is Christ Jesus. And so if, if we're going to be convinced of that in this season, I, I think that there's a couple things we need to do. Namely this, I think we need to learn as people how to stand in a storm. Um, what we're going to talk about for the next couple of weeks, kind of this impromptu thrown together series, uh, we're going to be talking about that, how to stand in a storm. Because all of us are walking through a storm right now, and I hate to break it to you, this isn't going to be the last one you walk through. We're going to walk through a lot of these in life, and, and we need to know how to stand strong in the midst of these storms. And so if we're going to learn how to stand in a storm, I think it makes sense to go to the source of storm standing himself, uh, and that would be Jesus. We're going to take a look at Jesus for the next couple of weeks because Jesus not only had a lot to say about storms, but he also made his way into a few of them during his ministry here on earth, and I think we can learn a couple things from what Jesus did. Uh, tonight, what I want to look at is Matthew chapter 7. Um, we're going to look at a story that's, that's somewhat familiar and a, a sermon that really is epic in proportions. It's probably the best sermon that's ever, no, it is the best sermon that's ever been preached. You can hold this sermon up next to anybody's sermon, your favorite preacher, whoever they may be. And, uh, <laughs> and I guarantee you this sermon is going to be better. Uh, Jesus, Jesus is speaking to a large crowd and uh, he starts talking about how to pray and he starts talking about uh, how to deal with the poor and how to take care of each other's needs and how we should handle our finances. And uh, it just this, this amazing message that's just 
packed with all this incredible material. Uh, but then when he gets to the conclusion of it, he ends the sermon in a rather odd way. It's, it's, it's very concise, very abrupt, nothing like the way we do altar calls right now in church. Like there's no band that comes up. There's no like, you know, whale keys, like, you know, like, the talk, the, no, no talking in a low voice, like, hey, if you'd like to come to, G- well, me, uh, then none of that. He ends it really abrupt, but it's such a powerful statement. In Matthew chapter seven, uh, here's how he ends the Sermon on the Mount. He says, anyone who listens to my, che- my teaching, by the way, this is verse 24, and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and the flood waters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it is built on bedrock. Someone say bedrock. <laughs> but anyone who hears my teaching and does not obey it is foolish, like a person who builds a house on sand. When the rains and the floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. I love that sermon ending. It's such a powerful, concise, potent statement. I wish I could end every sermon that I preach like that. If you guys would just do what I say, everything's going to be just fine. But it's, it's such a powerful ending. And, and the reason it's so powerful is because Jesus is in this sermon, he's, he's sharing with us what his heart is for all humanity, what his heart is for us as, as those who follow him. That we wouldn't be fickle, we wouldn't be broken in the midst of a storm, that when we walk through difficult seasons, which we all will, we wouldn't falter, but that we would be solid, we'd be immovable. Our our lives would be built on something that is unshakable. And, And the word he uses is bedrock. Our lives would be built on bedrock and not sand. Um, I remember when uh, we first moved to San Francisco, um, I did not know that most of the Sunset District was actually built on uh, sand dunes. I was uh, unaware of it. Uh, when I learned that our house was built on sand dunes, it brought a whole new level of fear. Every time I passed by that tsunami sign at the beach, it's like, hey, you know, this is the tsunami escape route. And I'm like, we're going to need to use it. Like it's... <laughs> But uh, I, I, I didn't realize that our houses were, were all built on, on sand. And uh, we were talking with some friends uh, from the church, and they were sharing with us that they lived um, up in the, uh, you know, the upper echelon of society in a different part of the city. And uh, we were sharing with them, like, hey, we might buy a house one day. And they're like, well, if you're going to buy a house, you need to get out of the lowlands, and you need, to, you, know, you need to get up here. And I'm like, that's just such a pompous statement. What do you mean? And by the way, you're probably watching right now, and you need to know who you are, okay? So... But uh, as he began to share with me, like where they live up in Forest Hill, that everything is built on, on bedrock. And he said, you know, if the, if the big one comes, if the right storm comes, you know, I'm going to be up here on my porch sipping an umbrella drink while the human debris below me is floating away, you know, into the, into the sea. And I'm like, yeah, I want to live on bedrock, <laughs> you know. But I mean, it, it doesn't matter that my house looks better than your house on the inside. Um, <laughs> At the end of the day, it doesn't matter how pretty the house is or how well it's decorated. Like if the right storm hits and you're built on sand, the whole thing just washes away. And he had a sense of confidence. Why? Because his house was built on solid rock. It was built on bedrock. There's something about a storm that ultimately just reveals the nature of what your house, your life is built on. There's something about this storm that we're walking through right now that's revealing what your life is built on right now. Whether it's the coronavirus storm of 2020, or it's the Great Recession of the early 2000s, or it's SARS, or H1N1, or Y2K, or go down the list of things we've walked through. Any of these storms, 
Even the personal things you walk through, the, the sickness or the, the season of lack or when the marriage feels like it's on the rocks, all of those storms, they serve to, to, to illuminate what kind of a foundation your life is truly built upon. They reveal the strength of your foundation. And so uh, let's ask ourselves the appropriate question as we're walking through a storm right now. How, how has our foundation looked the last couple of days, you know? What's been revealed? Has our foundation been faltering or have we been found to be the faithful, the strong, those who, who can say my life is built on something that is unshakable? I'm really grateful for uh, some of the people that are in our church that have called me over the last couple of days and reassured me that they're not freaking out right now. <laughs> Uh, I have someone who's in the room right now, um, and I won't point him out, uh, but he recently retired, and uh, he uh, has placed his life savings in the stock market, and as a result of the last you know, couple of weeks, the stock market has lost 20 30%, depending on what you're invested in, and uh, I had a little text conversation with him the other day, and I said, hey, we're praying for you, and, and you know, how are you doing? And he said, this is great for me. I get to, once again remind myself that it's not about me trusting in what I've stored up, but I get to trust in Jesus. And I'm like, that's, that's bedrock attitude. Uh, I've talked with some people in our church that work in government agencies and, you know, they're surrounded by media and all of the reports about, you know, stuff spreading and, you know, they're literally stewing in fear all day long at work. And I'm texting with these guys because I want their perspective about whether or not we should hold church. And they say to me, if church is happening this Sunday, we're going to be in the room. We're not afraid. And I'm like, I love that attitude. That's bedrock attitude. Someone who uh, bought a house in our congregation recently, and as they've watched everybody else back out of their house deals and, you know, wondered, did I make the wrong decision? You know, texting her, hey, how you feeling? Do you feel like you still made the right decision? She said, I have so much peace right now. This is a gift from God. He gave this to me. I'm not going anywhere. Like that's bedrock kind of attitude. So, so what about you? What about me? Like, how are we responding to all of this? Has the, has the storm proven that we have a strong foundation or has it proven that things are a little bit sandy in our lives? And if they are a little bit sandy, then I think we need to assess our foundation and go, okay, how do we strengthen our foundation in this season so that as this thing progresses, as we continue to move through the next couple of weeks, we don't begin to crumble and fall apart like everybody else in the world around us who's placed their faith in something that is shakable. But how do we, how do we build up the foundation of our lives to ensure that whether it's this crisis or the next one, whether it's a personal crisis or a global crisis, that we are unshakable. And so uh, I want to land, I'm going to give you guys a couple of thoughts um, that I, I think will really help us shore up our foundation. A couple of areas where we have to be strong in this season. Uh, the first one is we need to have a foundation of prayer. We must have a foundation of prayer. Uh, I, I want you to repeat after me. Don't panic. Just pray. Come on with everybody at home. Don't panic. Don't panic. Just, pray. Just pray. Here's what the Bible says in Philippians chapter four, verse six and seven. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. What a great piece of advice. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. That is about as simple as it gets right there. Don't panic about anything, but pray about everything. Stop freaking out, close your eyes, and just, just pray. Before you read the news in the morning, pray. Or don't even read the news in the morning, just pray. You'll probably end up with a better perspective. Don't panic, just pray. And I love that he uses this word. He says, instead, 
don't worry, instead pray, which assumes that there is an option before every single one of us. And there's only two options. <laughs> the option is panic <laughs> or pray. That's all you got. There's no in between. You, you got to choose right now. Which one are you going to do? Are you going to panic and freak out and, you know, force feed yourself on fear and all that the media is offering to you right now and have yourself a little panic picnic or whatever you want to call it? Or like, is that what we're going to do? Or are we going to pray? Are we going to come back to this place that we truly understand, like, all of this is still in Jesus' hands? And if I'm talking to my friends, and I'm talking to my coworkers, and I'm talking to everybody else, and we're just yapping about all that's happening right now, that's not accomplishing anything. But when I talk to Jesus, suddenly, because here's the promise. Here's what he says. If you won't panic, but you'll pray, then there's a promise, and that promise is peace. He says it's guaranteed, not just regular peace, but like peace that doesn't make any sense. Peace that goes beyond anything that you can find in this life. Peace peace that goes beyond a recovery in the stock market. Peace that goes beyond a vaccine that solves this whole thing. Peace that goes beyond anything you can think of, beyond finding toilet paper in Costco. Beyond that, a peace that makes no sense because it is only available in one source, and that is in Jesus. And by the way, it's not just peace for a moment because he goes on to say that that peace will guard your heart and your mind. So when your heart and your mind are tempted to go down the wrong road again or to fear again, in that moment, you've got a guard. It's standing right there. Why? Because you chose to pray instead of to panic. And in that moment, your, your, your guard gets to remind the fear and remind the worry, hey, this is a person of prayer. So you don't have access to their heart. You don't have access to their mind. None of that stuff gets in here because I've, I've already given them a promise of peace in the midst of this. So don't panic. Just pray. Let's say it one more time. Come on. Don't panic. Just pray. I think the second foundation we need to have in our lives, and this is huge, is we need to be able to worship in the midst of this. We have to be able to worship our way through this. Say this. Don't worry. Just worship. (laughs) I love these. Aren't they great? Don't worry. Just worship. On Thursday, when all of the news was coming out and every pastor was freaking out and we're all texting each other on this group text, getting very discouraged about the fact that we can't have church for a little while and trying to figure this whole thing out, I, I did the same thing that I do every single morning. I grabbed my, my ember mug of coffee, as many of you have heard about before. Amen. Amen. And uh, I made my way down into my study and uh, I began to pray. Uh, and as I was praying and just asking God for wisdom and clarity and all of this and you know, praying all the things I know to pray. I I found myself praying this line and it's familiar to many of you. It's the line of Jehoshaphat where he says, Lord, I don't know what to do, but my eyes are on you. I have no clue how to handle this. I've never been down this road before. I'm still a rookie. I mean, I've been at this for 18 months. You know, I don't know how to navigate through a global pandemic. I've never been here before, but I don't know what to do, but my eyes are on you. And as I was praying that line out, I felt the Holy Spirit say, hey, go back to that passage of scripture in 2 Chronicles uh, chapter 20 and, and just read out what Jehoshaphat's prayer was because you, you might find some stuff in that that's gonna help you right now. And as I began to read it out, I, I found a couple thoughts that I think will help us. Um, namely this, so here's the setting. Jehoshaphat is surrounded by the armies of Edom and his army is much smaller than the army that surrounds him. And they're, 
they're, they're panicking. They don't know what to do. They, they know that if they try to fight this battle in the flesh, they're, they're gonna lose. It's, it's, it's inevitable. The, the army is stronger. The, the weapons are better. Like they're going down. And so he calls the nation to fast and he says, we, we need to pray. We need to ask God for wisdom. And he, he goes and he begins to pray. And, and look at his prayer. He says in, in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse nine, whenever we are faced with any calamity such as war or famine, or plague, he says, or plague. He calls it out. In our day and age, it would be this to say, whenever we're faced with war, or you know, we're really, really hungry and we don't have enough money to go to McDonald's, or <laughs> COVID-19, whenever we face this stuff, we can come to stand in your presence before this temple where your name is honored. We can cry out to you to save us and you will hear us and you will rescue us. He says, we're powerless against this mighty army in verse 12. It's about to overtake us and attack us. We don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. I think that is a prayer that a lot of us can echo right now. Because not only do many of us not know what to do and we need to look to Jesus, I, I think we need to remind ourselves that when we're in the midst of a plague, when we're in the midst of a global pandemic, we're in the midst of what we're facing right now, God already spoke to this nation before this moment and said, whenever you're in this situation, here's what you can do. You can come to me and you can pray and I will give you a strategy so that you can weather your way through this thing, okay? I, I'll tell you what to do. And when they prayed that prayer, God was faithful and he told them what to do. He gave them a directive, and many of you know what it was because um, we preached about it. I don't know a few months ago in a series called the Weapon of or a, a sermon called the Weapon of Worship, and we talked about this. But for those that might be unfamiliar with it, here's what God told him to do. He said, "Okay, you want my plan? Here's my battle plan. It makes no sense. It's completely illogical. It's ridiculous. But here's what I want you to do. I want you to walk out onto the battlefield while you're facing an army that's greater than you, and I just want you to sing. Just go ahead and sing. Just just worship a little bit, like." Imagine an army general telling all of his soldiers to do this. Like, okay, guys, what's your favorite song? Someone give me something. We're going to go out. We're, gonna, we're just going to sing it. But, but this is what God tells him to do. He says, I want you to sing. And the lyrics are really simple. Here they are. Ready? Here, uh, the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. That's it. Just go out and sing. The Lord is good and his faithful love. His mercy endures forever. That's it. Just sing that over and over and over again. And we'll figure it out from there. Like, oh, okay, God. And, and they do. They, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense to worship and thank God in the middle of their season, in the middle of their situation, but they do. They walk out on the battlefield and they just begin to sing. And I won't do it right now, but they begin to sing. And the Bible says that as they began to worship, that God sent out his army to fight on behalf of the people, that the opposing army became confused. They began to fight against each other and they didn't have to lift a finger. All they had to do was lift their voice. They didn't have to fight a single battle. They just had to lift up their voice. And as they began to worship, God fought on their behalf. We don't have to worry. We just have to, we have to sing in the midst of the storm. Sing in the rain, if you will. If we can worship in the midst of this, God will fight for us. We don't have to fight to provide for ourselves. We don't have to fight to find peace. We don't have to, we don't have to do any of that. We just need to worship. If we worship, God will take care of the rest. So there's your two pieces of advice. There, there are the foundation stones that we need to be built on in this season right now. Prayer and worship. Don't panic, just pray. Don't worry, just worship. Don't panic, just pray. Don't worry, just worship. I believe if we can do those two things over the next couple of weeks, then we will be the kind of people that 
honestly are desperately needed in our world right now. The kind of people that have a solidarity in their heart that remain steadfast in the midst of this thing and we will be unshakable. And as I said a moment ago, when we look back, because we will, at how we responded, maybe said of all of us in this room, maybe be said of all of you who are watching, that we were those people that prayed, that worshiped, and as a result of that, we were on bedrock in the midst of this thing. We weren't shifting sands, we were on bedrock. Let me, let me pray this over you and then uh, we'll release you into your groups to have some conversations and to talk a little bit more about this. But uh, Holy Spirit, we thank you right now that you are with us, that you are for us. Uh, Jesus, that none of this is foreign to you. You've been through this many times before. And Lord, we ask right now that you would speak to every person in every living room, that you would speak to every heart a word of peace, a word of hope, a word of, of encouragement a word of provision, God, that we wouldn't worry, but we would worship you every single day. We'd, we'd, we'd get in the car and we'd turn on something other than the news. We'd turn on Elevation. We'd turn on Hillsong. We'd turn on Bethel. We'd just begin to worship you. And God, that when we are, are anxious in that moment, we would choose instead to pray. And as we pray, we thank you that your peace is, is coming. Your peace is meeting us where we're at. And God, as this next week goes by, as we again hear probably a whole lot more news and a whole lot more about uh, cases that are being uh, found in our nation and in our globe, uh, may we be steadfast, may we be solid, may we be unshakable and immovable. May our faith be the kind of faith that is built on bedrock in this season. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thanks for taking the time to listen to the Father's House podcast. We hope it helped you wherever you're at in your journey. And listen, we want to pray with you if you're going through something right now that's difficult. You can go to our website, tfh.church, and click on the prayer and praise link and tell us how to join you in prayer. Until next time, be blessed.